everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk. And we are going to talk today about worship. It's something that um, I just love doing. I love and. A lot of what I'm going to be talking about today is I love doing it here with you. So if you need a Bible today, you haven't brought a Bible and you would like to have one as we go through Scripture, we have them in the back and to the sides. You might want to grab one of those. And, uh, you know, worship is a, a very important priority in our church and indeed the, uh, the whole vineyard. And uh, we spend a good deal of our time on Sunday morning together in the act of worship. And in our lives, Marilyn, my wife Marilyn and I, uh, worship has had a real impact um, in drawing us near to God and, and drawing us near to things that Jesus uh, wants us to do in our life. And I believe many of you could say the same thing here. So we're going to start by reading a passage from the Bible. It's one of my favorite passages to talk about worship. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. And that's on page 1231. So as we've been doing, I'm going to ask you to uh, stand uh, as, a, as an act of, of honor before God for giving us his word. And, um, and he is here today. The Lord is with us. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. You be seated. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that our worship would rise to you and that your spirit would fall upon us. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Marilyn and I have, have led churches, have uh, pastored churches since the early 80s, back when many of you did not even exist. And on many occasions, while we're getting ready to go to church on Sunday, uh, showering, showering uh, preparing coffee, getting breakfast, um, getting dressed, well, we do that before we do the other stuff. And we're, we're preparing, and not all the time, but a lot of the time, this thought will run through our heads, and we'll come together and we'll share that. And the thought is this, will anybody come today to church? I mean, we know we're going, but will anybody else show up? I mean, I know that sounds weird, it's kind of a pastor thing, but will anybody come? Because, you know, it takes effort on Sunday to get yourself out of bed and out to church. Anybody? 
Now, be honest. And especially if you have more than one child. Like if you have two, three, four, you know what's going to happen? Chaos breaks out. Chaos breaks out. Commotion. You, you argue with your spouse. And you holler at the kids because time is running short. So you're getting ready for church, but now you're hollering and sinning. And so you're really in a, in a holy place here. Come on, family. We've got to be there by 10-ish. Now, this may be an exaggeration, but, you know, it's happened enough for me to know it happens. Enough to know that it happens. So you're getting ready for church. But our question has always been, why do people come? What's the draw of coming here on Sunday? Now, we know it's Jesus. We're Jesus followers, and that's what Jesus followers do. They, they gather together. But when I think more deeply about why do we come, for me, it all comes down to this. I want to meet with God with you through worship. That's the draw for me. And that's the draw that I see in Scripture, that we come together to meet with God together. That's why for me and historically for the vineyard, there is a value for worship that is God-directed and inspires us to sing to him and to focus on him. And more so than not, in that kind of an atmosphere where we're singing and we're gathering and we're focusing on God, we are going to experience what it means to meet with God. Now, I want to make a statement. I feel closest to God when I'm worshiping with you. I feel close. I have times during the day when I'm in my private time or just, you know, reading scripture or praying for different people that I feel God's presence and I feel close to God. But I feel closest to God when I'm here worshiping with you. When I'm worshiping with other people, who have a desire to worship and sing and express their love to God because they want to meet with God together. This passage in Ephesians gets to, into the essence of this dynamic of worshiping with others and being near God. So let's go through it and let it speak to us. Verse 15. So be careful how you live. Uh, in the Bibles that you know, we pass out and people get, uh, the New Living Translation, there are headers above the paragraphs. And the paragraph before this verse, the header is this, living in the light. Paul is laying out what it is to live a life grounded in Jesus, contrasted with living a life grounded in the world. Now, not the world, meaning trees and plants and sky and rivers and all that but the thought and value systems of the fallen world. So he says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Paul is saying here, there is a way to live life that will ruin your life. Now, randomly on my Google app on my phone, an article came up, and I'm preparing this message, and part of it is just what I said. 
There's a way of living that will ruin your life. And this is what the article, the header was. Pennsylvania, one of the most sinful states in the U.S. <laughs> Let's give a round of applause for Pennsylvania. All right. You've got to accomplish something after that Super Bowl loss. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Too soon? They played a game. That was one of the best Super Bowls I've ever watched. Until the end. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read parts of the article. According to a new study, some states are a lot more sinful than others. For the purpose of this study, WalletHub, which I think is a budget app, define sinful habits as any immoral or illicit behavior ranging on the state level from violent crimes per capita to excessive drinking to the share of the population with gambling disorders. They established seven key categories based on this definition. Anger and hatred, jealousy, excess and vices, greed, lust, vanity, and laziness in order to see how all 50 states chalked up on the sin scale. Pennsylvania was ranked as the fifth overall most sinful state. Now, the rest of the top five, going from four up to one, was Florida, Louisiana, California, and unsurprisingly, because this is where Sin City lies. Ah, some people have been there. Thank you. Um, but now what about the states that aren't sinful? Those were Iowa, Vermont, New Hampshire, Idaho, and what would you guess is the best behaved state in the United States? How'd you know that? Well, you read the article. Duh. Wyoming. But you know, we lived in Colorado for six years, and Wyoming's just north. They may not do a lot of sinning, but they're just bored out of their mind, I tell you. <laughs> if anybody's from Wyoming, I'm sorry. I didn't like Wyoming at all. So there's a way to live that isn't living in Jesus' light. Now Paul wants to bring an alternative that is living in his light. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's bringing an alternative to something that will bring ruin to your life. Don't get drunk. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Simple remedy, it may seem. It's kind of like, don't binge on junk food. Eat your, and what would your mother say? Greens, right? Maybe not the best analogy. Don't place your face in your phone all the time because that will ruin real relationship. Instead, talk to somebody. Play a real game. Walk with a friend. Read a book. Don't live in Pennsylvania. Instead, move to New Hampshire. <laughs> Justin and Daniel got it right, I guess. You know, there used to be a couple that were part of the staff and led worship, and they moved to New Hampshire to plant a church. I love Pennsylvania. You don't have to move. Instead, what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's literally be being filled. Not just be filled. This is to be a continuing and repeatable experience with God. When you say to your kids, be good for the babysitter, you don't mean for the, just the first 15 minutes, right? Be good for the babysitter for the first 15 minutes, and the rest of the time you can trash the place. You know, you can write on the walls markers, and you can, you know, throw flour over the kitchen. 
don't take this seriously, kids. It's just kind of theoretical here. You say, kids be good until we come back. So Jesus is saying, be being filled until I come back. Let it be part of your normal life as a follower of me. What's it mean to be filled? I said, I feel nearest to God when I'm worshiping. To be filled is to have a tangible awareness of God's presence with you and in you. A tangible awareness of God's presence in you and with you. I mean, you know he loves you. When you're filled with the Spirit, you have an awareness of his love, and it's more intense. You know he's with us, but to be filled is to be aware. God is here. You ever have those times here where we're worshiping and all of a sudden the spirit falls and you know, I mean, he's here with us as a matter of biblical theology, but you haven't experienced he's with us. You know, he lives in you, but to be filled is to be more in touch with the spirit with you and he gives you direction and guidance and how to pray and how to do things. At times when you're filled with the Spirit, you respond to that filling. You're aware of your sin, so you confess and you repent. Sometimes your body reacts. There, there may be some shaking or you feel a warmth. Uh, you fall to your knees. Your, your hands might tremble. Sometimes when you're filled, there's just a peace and a general sense of, you know, God loves me. I feel so at peace. I feel safe. You know he wants you to live in his life, but to be filled is to receive power to live in his life. You know he wants you to serve, but to be filled is to receive the ability through the authority and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to do what, what Jesus did. Sorry. I feel like the Tin Man in Wizard of Oz. I need some oil. <laughs> now, there's going to be peaks in your awareness of the filling with the Spirit. You're, you're going to have times where the, you, you sense a more pronounced outpouring on the Spirit on you as you worship or as you pray for somebody or you're being prayed for or, or you serve somehow and you sense God's with us. He's here right now. But the essence, of all, the essence of all this is when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's an overwhelming awareness of God's presence and that he is near you and you are near him. Now, if that's the case, wouldn't it be nice to know, how can I be filled? I want that. I want more of that. I want that to be a, 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 a regular part of my life. What would be a, a way to open ourselves for an outpouring of the filling of the Holy Spirit and have God come near? Well, here's a spoiler. Here's a spoiler. I feel closest to God when I'm worshiping with you. Don't live in a way that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How? singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Basically, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How? Worship. Worship. 
And I always like to point out that there is a horizontal and vertical characteristic to worship here that Paul points out. Points out. It says in verse 19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. There's a horizontal and vertical characteristic. We sing among ourselves and we make music to the Lord and it all springs from deep within our hearts. See, our worship here is always, always, always to be God-directed and God-centered. That's why we talk a lot in the vineyard about that. We sing songs to God. We sing songs to Jesus. We sing songs of worship directly to him. But there is something about, as I mentioned earlier, earlier, being with you here, and as we sing to the Lord, we are simultaneously speaking to one another our desire to worship and to sing and express our love to God. Thank you, Jen. And I realize all of a sudden that I am in, in a room with people who want to be with God. They want to experience him. They want to be near him and his presence. And you know what? And we, you sense this at times. When we're worshiping, we're singing among ourselves and singing or making music to the Lord, you can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it. And that helps me then from deep inside want to experience God and draw near to him because that's where I feel closest to God, worshiping with you. Now, to clarify, singing is not the only way we express worship, but it's an important way to express worship. Everything a follower of Jesus does can be done as an act of worship. All we do here is an act of worship. Singing, reading the Bible, receiving communion, giving our money, serving on a team, whatever team it is that you're serving on. In the vineyard, while we recognize this reality, we have a particular emphasis on the act of worship through song, through singing. And it is an act involving not just our voices, but our entire bodies, our mind, our hands, the posture of our body. We get involved in the act of worship with all of who we are. What's it say? Worship the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. When our granddaughter Natalie, that's a picture of her from back in 2001, well, 23 years ago, um, my daughter Patty came over, and we were having a, a family event, I don't know what it was, and uh, my daughter Julia was there with her husband Kevin, and um, now, uh, Patty came through the door, and usually I will like, stand near the door and, and greet them when they come in. Well, as soon as Natalie saw me, she started going crazy. She got really, really excited. And, and Patty put her on the floor, and she comes crawling over to me, bobbing up and down like this, raising her hands. She was speaking in tongues, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And we're all standing there watching her, and my son-in-law, Kevin, says, she's worshiping you. <laughs> what was she doing? Pop, pop, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. 
I want to be with you. Lift me up. Draw me near. You can imagine how that made me feel. (laughs) Imagine how God feels when you come to him fully invested body, mind, soul, and spirit in the act of worshiping him. So Paul is saying, don't live a life of ruin. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit by singing among yourselves and making music in your heart to the Lord. And then he ends this passage with verse 20. And give thanks. And and it's just another way of saying, and praise God for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a reason why Paul expresses um, the need to give thanks for everything to God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you go back over in Ephesians, there's some verses that capture that reason I'm speaking of. In your Bibles, uh, turn to page 1227. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. This is behind what Paul is saying and why we should give thanks to God for everything through Jesus Christ, his son. It says, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. There are a lot of reasons that we could give today of why we worship. But one of the reasons we give praise and thanks for everything to God through his son, Jesus Christ, is this. God is so kind. He is so kind. We now know through Jesus that we can relate to God as a kind father because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. This is our position before God, our standing before God. We are sons and daughters of a kind, loving father. He loves us more than we could ever imagine. When someone does a kind thing, it really stands out, doesn't it? When someone does a kind thing, what Paul calls it this evil world, when someone does some act of kindness, it really stands out. God, through Jesus, did the kindest thing ever. He gave us as a gift eternal life, living with him forever. We live in a world where kindness is more often than not overshadowed by unkindness. People aren't kind, they're cruel. They're not kind, they're mean. They're not kind, they just don't give a rip. So when someone does something kind, wow, it does something for you inside. Uh, Marilyn and I were, uh, the week after Christmas, wanting to have a cheese fondue. So we started scouring the house looking for our fondue pot. And we hadn't used it for a while. So, you know, but our house isn't that big, so it shouldn't be too hard to find it. So both of us started looking, 
And Marilyn says, I can't find a fondue pot. And I said, I can't find a fondue pot either. Uh, after about a half hour, you know how you, like, you'll look someplace, and you'll, you'll scour it, and you'll go someplace else, and you'll go back to the same place and look again, like three or four times, you start thinking, repeating the same thing again, expecting a different outcome is the first sign of what? Whatever it is that's the first sign of. But a, after a half hour of coming up empty, she said, I wonder if we lent it to somebody. So she texts our daughter, Patty. Hi, Pat. Did we lend you our fondue pot? Patty texts back. You mean the one you've had for over 30 years? Yeah, we can't find our fondue pot. She goes, well, I don't have it. I'll buy you a new one. Marilyn said, no, you don't have to do that. We'll figure it out. So Patty called. That's a, what, what a novel thought. <laughs> Patty calls. And she says, I always have such a hard time getting something for you guys. Let me buy you a fondue pot. And Meryl said, no, you don't have to do that. You really don't. No, I want to do it. Please let me do it. She goes, okay, yeah, you can do it. And, and Marilyn told me what she wanted to do. And I said, well, how kind is that? What a nice, kind thing to do. So um, Patty, you know, she, she started looking uh, for a fondue pot. And she said, I went to Bed Bath & Beyond. There's none there. I went to Macy's. There's none there. Evidently, people were gifting fondue pots for Christmas. And she looked all over, all over the place, and she says, um, I can't, you know, I can't find a fondue pot. So what I'm going to do, there's a place near where I work that sells kitchen and restaurant supplies. I'll look there and buy the pot. And, and so Marilyn said, well, thank you. So, that's so nice. And she told me all the trouble Patty was going through to get us a fondue pot. I said, that's so kind of her. So I text Patty, Pat, I can't find my Xbox. <laughs> She didn't grab that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I finally remembered why we couldn't find it, because the last time we had used it, which was probably two years ago, it was 30 years old, and so the cord coming into the fondue pot got really, really, really hot, and it was kind of fraying, so we thought, we threw it away. And we forgot we threw it away. But we remembered eventually. So that's <laughs> but when somebody does something kind for you, it does something for you inside. It can be life-altering. I think we've had five fondues since we've had that pot. But on a deeper level, when you're shown an act of kindness, it can alter your perspective of life and people and God's love. And a way to get in touch with his kindness, a way to get near a loving, good, and kind father is through the act of of worship. It's almost like you can be transported, I don't want to get weird here, but transported into a place where, you know, you have a greater awareness of how much God loves you, how kind he is to you, and a greater experience of just him. Being filled with the Spirit through worship brings you into a different dimension of experiencing who God is and what you're standing before him is as loved, forgiven, son, daughter, friend. It's what Paul prayed would be ours in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. 
And he says, and may you have the power. Where are you going to get that power? The Holy Spirit. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ. And he says, though it is too great to fully understand. When we worship together, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and experience the love of Christ now that will be fully experienced when we stand before him one day in his heavenly kingdom. How kind of God is that? We're going to take a minute now just to kind of reflect and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Just to be quiet, and I'll just seed this a little bit, but reflect on how God has been kind to you in the past, how he's being kind to you presently, and ask him for the power to trust him for kindness in the future, because he's kind, but that you can experience that. Holy Spirit. We're going to go into a time of ministry, and I just want to remind you that um, during our worship, uh, during the first song, you have an opportunity to, to give to support our church financially, and then during the last song, um, the servers will come up, and then that'll be the, the cue for all of us to come forward to receive communion. But I, re, related to ministry, um, I, I have to say this because... It's something that's so important to what we do here week after week. It's so important when we come to come for more than singing songs together. This is not about a sing-along. When we come, we should come with a desire to encounter God desire to encounter God. You may be aware of a outpouring of the Holy Spirit at a chapel service at the University of uh, Asbury University a couple weeks ago. During a routine chapel service where the kids would come on Wednesdays, uh, students, they were encouraged by a speaker to seek more of the Holy Spirit because there was no way they were going to be able to live this life the Bible talks about without the Holy Spirit. And instead of leaving after that service, and they were invited to receive the Spirit and press into God, after, instead of leaving that service, not all of them, but many of them just stayed and prayed and worshiped 
and sung songs and sought after God. And something was poured out, poured out by the Spirit that is being described as gentle, peaceful, deep, heavy. The word glory means the heaviness of God. And that chapel service continued on and on, and it's still going today. This happened two weeks ago. And the building where they meet is packed, and there are lines, they say, I, I can't remember, I don't want to exaggerate or misspeak, but it's like a two-hour wait to get in. I don't know how they rotate it, but there's lines of people waiting to get in. You can't make something like that happen from the front. That was a sovereign move of God, and it's being described as a sovereign move of God's kindness and grace. Usually, folks, when the Spirit, and I have some experience with this, when the Spirit moves like that, He starts moving like that all over. And we experience the Holy Spirit all the time here. But don't you want more? More of those experiences of God is so close, He's so near, He's empowering us, He's loving on us, He's, he's giving us what we need to live this life in Him, in all its dynamics. So in terms of worship, as we worship today, I, I'm, just not, I'm not going to get too much direction for this, but if you're here today and you have particular difficulty coming here with the expectation of meeting with God rather than going through the motions of singing songs and then leaving, if you want to be near to God through worship. Be sensitive to what the Spirit's saying. He may tell you to like get on your face, to come to the front and kneel. He may just tell you to like, you've never done it before, but raise your hands to him. I want you. Holy Spirit, come. You're already here with us, Lord. And would you pour yourself out on us? Would you fall upon us? Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.